This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. And we are back. Look at that, Damon. Look at that. We're getting creative, trying right, to figure I out think how we're to make live. this show. Are we doing this show, Fitz? What's going on, brother? Oh, man. I don't know if we're going to do this show. So, Damon, Damon, it's me and you for the time being. Eddie Pascal here with my man Damon on the ones and twos. Thank you for hanging out with us as we take over JT The oh. Brick Show here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And boy, Damon, as we work through all these unique challenges of doing this entire show virtually, brother, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Fitz, are you there? What happened? Mm-mm-mm. Uh-uh. I don't think he's there, Damon. We were having such great conversations off there before this show started. We really Literally were. Up until like 10 seconds to go. Well, you know what, Damon? We're gonna, you know, in the business, we're gonna just kill some time. You and I are gonna kill some time until we get Fitz back in the mix. But we're excited, Damon, because this is day three of the Eddie and Fitz experience. Right now, it's just the Eddie experience as we wait for Fitz to rejoin us. But we've had so much fun hanging out with JT, or excuse me, hanging out for JT the Brick as he takes some much needed time off. And Damon, we've talked about a lot over the past two days. Yesterday, we talked about where the Raiders rank in the kind of hierarchy. Oh, is that him? It was him for a second. It, I heard him for a second. Oh, no. Oh, no, Damon. Still not there. But it's okay. That's the beauty of doing a two-hour show. We'll wait for him to reconnect, and we'll be back off and running. But as I said, Damon, we look at yesterday, and we talked about where the Raiders rank in terms of the hierarchy of the, of the AFC. We've talked about what we need to see from your 2021 Las Vegas Raiders as we continue on through the rest of this season. And today, Damon, as we kind of hang out and we bring our little uh, experiment to an end for the time being, I think we got to have a little fun, right? We're going to talk a little Halloween. We're going to talk a little Nevada Day. And we're going to look, as soon as Fitz joins us, we're going to really look at this team by the numbers and how the Raiders stack up traditionally, historically, if you will, going and playing after the bye. So, Damon, how are we doing on the connection, by the way? Not that good, actually. Not that good. <laughs> I'm here. He's, he's, I hear you guys perfectly. Hold on. I, did you hear that, Eddie? I did. Is he back? From, I don't know. This is the weirdest thing to me. It's I like mean, he says it perfectly. From somewhere deep in Connecticut, we hear Jason Fitz. Well, I just say Jason hit Jason Fitz hears us. I don't know if we can hear him. He says one word at a time. It's a, we have him. We don't have him. It's a conundrum. It is a conundrum. I, it is I a hear conundrum. You guys, perfectly. This is. Well, there he is. He's kind of like a ghost. Speaking of Halloween, come on, it's like, it's like a spirit. It's like a spirit from Connecticut just dropping in, kind of saying, hello, who are you there? The ghost of Fitz is haunting us as we wait for him, his physical body, his voice to rejoin us on the show. But, Damon, real quick, can you tell the people where they can call in, where they can text to get engaged with the show today, my friend? All right. Yes, you can do that. If you want to call in, 702-365-9200. If you want to leave us a nice text message, text RNR first. That is very important. RNR69187 if you want to get involved with the show any way you'd like. I will answer the phones. I will read your text. Or you can tweet at us at RNR920AM. And before we, before we really take the show uh, to the next level, Damon, I would just ask all of you guys, be nice to Damon. Damon is literally, I'm looking at Damon on the FaceTime right now. Damon is doing about 74 and a half different things. So when you call, when you text, please be nice to him. Please be kind and courteous as we, uh, as we navigate through these next couple hours together. But I want to start here today. I want to talk about 
how this team, excuse me, what we need to see from this team over the next 11, 12 weeks to really feel like this is a playoff team. Because let's be really honest, the Raiders are sitting here at 5-2. and two. We feel good about 5-2. and two. Collectively, you look at this team, from Derek Carr in the offense to Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby on the defensive side of the ball to the special teams unit, which has been, once again, dynamite. And you say, look, objectively, this is a good football team. It is perhaps the most unique way that any football team in the history of the NFL has gotten to 5-2, and two, but 5-2 and two is where they are regardless. So now, how do we build on that? Because this team is not a finished product, and to be fair, I don't think any team in the NFL at this juncture as we are in week eight right now is a finished product. But how do we get better? How do we build? What do we need to see from Rich Bisaccia's group over the next couple months to really convince us, to really show us that this is a team that can be a force to be reckoned with once we get to January and hopefully, 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 hopefully into February. So I look at it this way. And Damon, you let me know if I'm crazy, if I'm speaking crazy talk. For me, it's all about the consistency going forward. We talked, about, excuse me, we talked a lot about the offensive line yesterday, about how essentially they are the engine that is going to make this thing go on the offensive side of the football. And as good as Derek Carr is, and as dynamic and exciting as Josh Jacobs and, Ken, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake can be, they cannot do their thing unless the offensive line is really doing their thing. And I think that we have to give them credit. We have to give Tom Cable and his crew a ton of credit for getting this offensive line to play an an improved brand of football over the past two weeks. They just have. Now, do we need to see that over the next 11, 12 weeks? Absolutely, we do. But, Damon, when you look at this team, and you've been in the stadium with us, you've watched a lot of Raiders football over the past couple weeks, or a couple months, I should say, is it as simple as like, hey, if the offensive line can keep doing their thing, if they can keep getting better week after week after week, this offense is going to stay dynamic? I think it is that simple. Where I yesterday on a Vinny's show that I also produce, Vinny Shameless and Lincoln. Plug. Are, oh yeah, there they're talking. Vinny and Lincoln are talking about the offensive line, and Vinny's like, "Oh, do you think they should go out and get someone?" And Lincoln's basically saying, "If it's not broke, don't fix it," because the best way to get better at football is just playing football. So if the, if this offensive line can gel together, if they can keep it keep it on track, I think that this team's going to be in good shape because the yeah. defense is there. The defense is there. And the weapons are there. So it's just that offensive line staying consistent. And, and we talked about surprises. I think it was on, on Tuesday, Demond, surprises about this Raiders team. And for me, I've been, I've been very honest, where I looked at the 2021 Las Vegas Raiders on paper as we came in, into June and July looking through training camp about how this team is going to shake out. And I didn't have a ton of questions about the Raiders' offense. I really didn't. I was like, look, Derek Carr is going to keep doing his thing. Derek is one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. You, like, you give Derek time to work, he's going to be fine. We talked about the, the weapons, the Hunter Renfros, the Henry Ruggses, the Brian Edwards, all those guys. I, wouldn't have, I didn't have a lot of questions about the offensive side of the football. Where I did have questions, and I will be honest, I had a lot of them, where the, was the Raiders' defense, led by Gus Bradley. How does this group... How do they kind of take on Gus Bradley's personality quick, fast, in a hurry? And as we, as we sit here at 5-2, and two, I will be honest with you, Damon, the play of the defense, just in general, in totality, has been the biggest, most pleasant surprise that I've experienced in my life in quite some time. Because you look at the 2021, excuse me, the 2020 Raiders defense, and, and we're at a point now where I feel like we have to kind of stop referencing it. But all the same, you look at that defense, and you felt that you could never really be confident 
in what they were going to bring to the table. Now, you fast forward to this year, and a huge credit to Gus Bradley, a huge credit to Mike Mayunk for bringing in the Anika Ngakwes of the world, the Denzel Perrymans, the Casey Haywards. A big shout-out to him for that. But you look at this defense, and at times, it has felt like it is a defense, excuse me, a defensive-based team. Now, when Derek is really cooking and Derek is doing his thing, now this is a team that needs to score a lot of points and will score a lot of points. But all the same, the fact that we have a legitimate defense for the first time in how long, Damon, I do not know, is a huge benefit <laughs> for the Raiders. All right, really quick, I'll, I'll address that defense in now, just a uh, second, uh, but let's see if Fitz is here. Oh, I don't know if he is. Ah, uh, man. You know what? We're just going to have to take a break really soon. But no, Eddie, about that defense where you were speaking about this, I remember the first game of the season, Baltimore, et- epic overtime win. It was electric in the building. After the game, you know, we have the press conference, and Hondo Carpenter, he asked, um, excuse me, Carl Nassib, he asked Carl, and he's asking Carl, oh, man, the defense last year, it was pretty bad, but you guys look great tonight. And Carl's like, hey, I was on the defense last year, right? And it's just, but it, but it's one of those things where I see where Carl's coming from. You're basically were saying, "Hey, last year I was terrible, but now you're trying to give me props this year." But it, it's a fair question to say, "Hey, man, last year you guys were not that good, but this year you guys are looking amazing." I mean, to your point, Damon, it really has been night and day. Where you look at the 2021 Raiders defense compared to the defense a year ago, and, and by and large, a lot of the pieces are the same. I mean, Unique Ngakwe is new, yes. Casey Hayward is new, yes. But that defensive line of, of Max Crosby, you know, Max is still there. Cleve Farrell is still there. Solomon Thomas is a new piece uh, in the secondary, the linebacking core, because of injury and, and a bunch of other reasons. Essentially, a rebuild group as well. But I, I mean, it is it is startling now to look at this defense and to be like. Okay, so I know what we saw a year ago, but the fact that we're seeing what we're seeing now is absolutely spectacular, and it's a lot of fun. And I do wonder, it's, we were talking about this yesterday with Fitz, as, as Fitz, the spirit of Fitz. Damon, do we have any like, uh, like spooky ghost noises you can throw in there? Do you have those at your disposal? <laughs> Give me a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll just throw them in there. Yeah, just throw them in whenever. The ghost of, the ghost of Fitz. But I, I, we were talking about this with Fitz yesterday where I do wonder – and I don't think we have. I wonder if we've seen the best version of the Raiders' defense. And in my heart of hearts, I really don't think we have for a lot of reasons, mainly being we haven't seen Trayvon Mullen in a minute. We haven't seen Damon Arnett in a minute. We have not seen the full battery of defense, defensive weapons that Gus Bradley has at his disposal. But if this group, very much like the offensive line, can keep getting better and better and better, Denzel Perryman can just be a man possessed, leading the league in tackles and doing all the fantastic things that he, fantastic things that he's doing. I mean, all of a sudden, this is a Raiders, de- excuse me, a Raiders team with a legitimate defense, an offense that can score points in bunches, especially when Henry Ruggs is playing the way that he's been playing. And you have Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole, guys who, in my humble opinion, and yes, they are friends of the program, but guys, in my humble opinion, who are among who are approaching that kind of elite level in the special teams realm. So all of a sudden now, Damon, we're at 5-2, and two, we're feeling good, we're standing a little taller, the food tastes a little bit better, the sun is shining. <laughs> but all of a sudden now you're like, boy, if we come back and we go on a run, this is where it gets very, very interesting, does it not? Yes, because that first game back is against the Giants, I believe, right? It is. So obviously, winnable game. Very winnable game. A game that even though it's an away game, the Raiders should be favored. So I think like after that, six and two, I think people are really going to be puffing their chest out. You said the food tastes better. The sun is shining. Six and two, people are just going to be thinking, hey, a couple more wins. This is a playoff team. 
And, and Damon, I think, look, I'm with you. And I, I've been honest with all you guys where I'm a fan, right? Like, I, I'm invested in this team winning football games. I want this team to win football games. And I, I will say that I've fallen into this trap as well where you start playing the schedule game, right? You're like, win, win, win. And I was joking with uh, with our, my guy Matt Walks the other day, or actually I think week one, I go, you know, by the end of this, uh, by the end of the day today, I'm going to convince myself the Raiders are going 17 and 0. And I feel like I do it every week. Every day I drive into the stadium, Demon. Every day, or excuse me, every Sunday I drive over there and I'm like, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win by 40. We're going to win by 52. Whatever it is, I convince myself that we are going to win this football game. But really, it's it's one of those things now where we've seen, we've read this chapter before a little bit. We have seen the Raiders have a good start, a, a strong start, a quality start. But frankly, over the past two years, it's been really tough for them to keep up that momentum, to keep building and stacking Ws. And yes, I, I know the Kansas City Chiefs do not appear to be the Chiefs of old. And, and I know that the Chargers are, are a team on the rise, a team that is capable of doing a lot of incredible things. And because of that, if you're Rich Basaccia, if you're Derek Carr, if you're Josh Jacobs, unique, whoever it is, you have got to keep your collective foot on the gas because you never know how many wins it's going to take to get into that tournament. And that really is the goal. Get in the tournament. Somehow, some way, figure out a way to get in the tourney, and anything after that, it, you know, you'll see what happens. But it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a Raiders fan, no doubt about that. As soon as we get Fitz back up in the mix, Damon, we are going to uh, we're going to talk a lot of Halloween. We're going to talk Nevada Day, a whole bunch of that good stuff. But uh, in that spirit, we got to get out of here. So Eddie Pascal, Damon Cotton in, waiting for our man Jason Fitz as we take over for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And we're back on the JT the Brick Show, filling in for JT this week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. Let's try this bit of hey. magic. Do we have it? Woo! The Dream Team reunited. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. Damon. Damon is the MVP of the day as he's the guy behind the scenes that's making everything happen, and he has had to run around absolutely like a maniac to get this done. But we are taking over for JT the Brick. You guys can chime in, 702-365-9200. You can also text us, RNR69187. That's the way you text us and get in on that hotline. Eddie, I tell you that uh, I love what you said, but I was busy doing other things. So let's start with a couple of important things that we need. Three things. Three things that we are going to figure out today. One, we're going to tell everybody – why the bye week is actually going to educate us something, uh, educate us about something with this team moving forward. Two, we're going to educate everybody on Nevada Day because a lot of people listening may not know. And three, most importantly, this is your chance to be on the right side of history. What are you giving out for Halloween at your house? Like, this puts you right on the spot. Are we doing full-size candy bars this weekend? Are we doing little bite-sized trinkets? Is it going to be fruit? Are the Pascals going to be, like, disappointing the entire neighborhood with fruit? What are we doing? Fitz, before we, I get into my candy situation at home, because we've talked about James Fallon so much the past couple of days, can I say, and we're back? Yes, Are we can. back? Yes, you can. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a, you know, it's, I'll lift the veil for a second. Fitz and I, uh, we connect via FaceTime, right? Damon can see us. And as, we're, as the show starts, the intro music comes in. We're all looking at each other. We're hyped up. And, and then Fitz just starts smiling, and he's looking at me. And I'm like, uh, all right, guy, kind of your time to shine. <laughs> and there was nothing there. And Damon looks at me, and I was like, oh, I guess I should talk now. But we made it. We're back. 
We're feeling good. Our last show before we head into the, a fantastic bye weekend. And uh, to answer your question, though, Fitz, there will be no fruit being uh, handed out at the Pascal home. I, I go, I stay strictly with like the Reese's, the Twixes, uh, the Skittles, and and peanut M and M's. That's kind of where my my uh, my hot spot is, if you will. Peanut M and M's are garbage, but the rest of how that dare was you? Good. Listen, I mean, sk- l- listen. This you you have a lot of nerve. First off, you come at me yesterday for the conference of champions. You're coming. You're bringing in this heat. Then you essentially abandon poor Damon and I for this first segment, and now you return somehow vindicated, validated, and you're taking shots at my candy choice, sir. I, Look, I object. About, sometimes life's about how much uh, swagger you walk in the room with, and I'm coming off the bus with the level of Halloween swag that the world wasn't ready. I'm, I'm swaggy walking in. I got both arms flailing around. We all know a couple of things. One, Skittles are now re-allowed in the rotation. They were banned for the rotation for a little while because we all know that Sour Apple never belonged in that bag in the first place. When they replaced Lime with Sour Apple and got all cute, I had to go to Mike and Ike's. Now, I feel like now that last month they brought Lime back into the Skittle equation, now we're back into that I can blindly eat all of them. And then, yeah, I'm with you on the peanut butter cups. Like, basically, you got to have peanut butter cups, and then you got to have something for the kid that has a peanut allergy. That's all. But peanut M&M's, like, I don't need a, a nut in any, like, I don't want my brownies to have nuts. I don't want my cookies to have nuts. I don't want my desserts to, I don't want my carrot cake to have, like, shaved almond, no. I want none of that action around desserts. Desserts weren't meant to have, like, hard, crunchy nuts in any of them, right? You, sir, need to elevate your palate a little bit. Well, I, think that's, I think that's what's got to happen here. I think you've got to embrace so. elevated flavor profiles into your life. Damon is nodding. Damon agrees with me. I prefer the peanut M&M. Thank you, Of Damon. all M&Ms. Look, you are, you are a man of, of fine tastes. I'm sure you enjoy the finer things in life, and that's no surprise that you're a fan of the peanut M&M. Well, you guys can chime in on this magic, 702-365-9200. You know, at the end of the day, here's something that's interesting. We will get to some Raiders here. I know everybody's uh, waiting to hear what we have to say about the team. What if I told you, Eddie, that who the Raiders are right now is likely to be who the Raiders will be by the end of the season? See, because we always talk about the bye week and how what's a team's record out of the bye week. Let me say this loud and proud. I don't care about one game. I don't think anything can be taken from any team in the NFL this year based on one game. Don't come at me with the, well, we beat this one team or this team beat this one team. You got to look at everything in chunks. So uh, I was scrolling through the interwebs last night, and I found this little graphic that was telling me about the Raiders' record before and after the bye every year, right? You can just keep going back and look at it. And essentially, yeah, there's been years that they were one game below 500, and afterwards they were one game above, or they were, you know, right around 500 and and then – after that, right around 500, or bad to bad. Whatever we think about the first game after the bye, the one thing that we can say, looking at the Raiders' body of work, is that essentially who they are at the bye, record-wise, has turned into who they are by the end of the season. And that's a powerful message when you're 5-2. and two. Absolutely. And you and I were texting last night about this, and, I, and so I responded to you with your beautiful graphic, and I was like, so essentially at this point, and I wonder, the Raiders are probably not alone in this, but once you get to, uh, let's call it the 45% uh, mark of the year, because the 17th game throws all of my math off and it really upsets me, but at this point, you kind of are who you are, right? You've shown enough teams, this is what we're good at, this is the areas that we are not very good at. We are who we are. And I'm curious, Fitz, do you have the graph in front of you right now? Uh, yeah, I, I will have it by the time you finish your sentence. Yes, and and my question to you is this, because look, we're sitting at five and two. Everyone is feeling good. Everyone is so hopeful, optimistic, full of joy that this hot start can continue. 
And the year that we always will compare to, for better or for worse, is that 2016 season. So I'm curious, if you have the graph up right now, what the, rec- the Raiders' record was pre-buy that year and then how they did post-buy, if you don't mind. Of course. That was the only year through all of this, and this went all the way back to 2005. The only time the Raiders entered the bye at least two games above 500 was to 2016. They were 7-2 and two at the bye. They finished 5-2 and two to go 12-4. and four. When you look across the rest of it, the year before, for example, they were two or three, go, two and three going into the bye. Five and six afterwards, finished seven and nine. You know, two and four, then two and eight, four and twelve. Like you can look across the board and say, okay, I can't find a single year where the Raiders have had a huge drop off from one year to the other, other than 2019, 2020. They get listed as huge drop offs in our mind, but the fact is, they were three and two both years going into the uh, going into the the bye. As you and I talk about all the time, there's a big difference between three and two and four and two. And there's an even bigger difference, obviously, between three and two and five and two. I'll buy that they had collapses the last two years, but the buy came early enough in the season that it made it a little bit harder to sort of extrapolate where they were going to be. Being five and two uh, at this point in the season, that's seven games through. Like, that's a real litmus of who they're going to be. And we talked about this yesterday, too, where the 2021 Raiders are a lot different than the Raiders of 2019 and 2020 for one big reason. We have a legitimate defense now. That is not something that we had these past two years when we had to deal with the quote-unquote end-of-season collapse. But Fitz, we talk about, you know, uh, you know a team now, seven games in, eight games in. Like, you kind of are who you are. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but now that we have some, some numbers and some data to back it up, Fitz, are the Chiefs who they are? Or do we still give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to figure out a way to turn it around and go on some crazy run over the second half of the 2021? You know what I hate, Eddie, is that you just did the one thing to me that I like to do to other people and find the fatal flaw in the argument. Because you're right. Like, it's hard for me to put a dagger in the – like, to me, the Chiefs are a little bit not just because I'm looking at a picture of Michael Myers directly in front of me. The Chiefs are Michael Myers. Every time you think they're dead right now, I feel like they're going to find one more way to climb their way back into life. You know, like, the the, the Chiefs – are it, it's hard for me to imagine that it's over. And the Chiefs are a little bit like the Halloween movie franchise. Like, maybe every sequel isn't as good as the original. Like, maybe we've seen such greatness from them that now we're just expecting every sequel to be sort of what it is formulaically. I just, I'm not sure that I'm willing to say the Chiefs are done. But I do think today, like, if we if we were talking about neutral field today, I would put the Chiefs third in the West. I think I'm comfortable with that. I, uh, the Chargers are a better team than Kansas City right now on the field, and I think the Raiders are a better team than Kansas City right now on the field. As much as as much as I have bias to all of that, I'm first to admit it. I, I I can make that argument pretty easily given how poorly the Kansas City defense has played. And I agree with you. And we talked a lot yesterday about the eye test, right? We did our kind of college football slash NFL college committee rankings. And I think a lot of that is the eye test. And granted that you and I, well, I should say you have watched a lot more NFL football. I got to live in the silver and black world fits. Like come a game day, like that's where I'm living. But in the bits and pieces of the Kansas City Chiefs that I have seen, they don't look like the Chiefs of old. And I think that with all due respect to Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, both gurus, there's something different and it's hard to kind of equate and we talk about the shortcomings of that Kansas City defense and those are very very real as we've discussed the past couple days but they don't have that for lack of a better term they don't have that swagger to them they don't have that you remember a couple years ago when the Chiefs would fall down inexplicably fall down by like 17 halfway through the the third quarter and then Pat Mahomes would just get that kind of snarl to him he had that kind of like Steph Curry Steph Curry snarl working and you're like up 
here we go. But for whatever reason, Fitz, it just we haven't seen that in 2021. So I am with you where I'm very comfortable ranking them at third in the division, which is crazy to think how good this division is. If the Kansas City Chiefs, who you and I both think are going to be players in this by the end of the, the season, if they're currently third in those rankings. You just got to walk into everything with that peanut butter uh, or peanut M&M's or trash swag. And right now, the, the, the Chiefs don't have that. Damon, you said we have a call. Who we got? First up, we got 211 Steel Reserve. Oh, Ooh. let's go to 11 Steel Reserve. What do you got? Thanks for calling the show. What's up, fellas? Hey, love what I'm hearing. Keep it up. Love what y'all do. Hey, real quick, you guys said the Raiders are five and two. Is it? You know, is this who they are? And you know, you kind of know what you got. I I say no, man. I think the defense side of the ball, yes, we kind of see what we have, and that's what we're going to be. But I think the offense, honestly, I think it's barely just waking up like now. I think the offense is going to get up. I'm excited to see what they got to bring to the table. I, I don't think we've seen the tip of the iceberg on how this offense is going to get off this season, fellas. Uh, I, look, I don't think you're. I think both units have an opportunity to to improve. Eddie, I, I think that's that's fair. Sometimes when I think of offensive limitations, it's not so much a limitation. It's that right now the offense feels like it's moving so well. I just presume that the offense can get points on almost any drive, right? No. So the question is, how do you get more possessions? And I guess your defense will give you the opportunity to get more possessions, which leads to more points. But yeah, this version of Carr is just to, just scratching the surface of what they can do. Yeah, and I agree with 211, and that's a fantastic point where you look at what this Raiders offense was those first five weeks. And there were moments of really, really good. There were moments of not so good. And there were a lot of moments of in between. But you and I talked about this a lot on the fifth quarter. Shout out ourselves and a shameless plug alert. But you talk about that offense, and it didn't really feel like they had an identity to them just yet. And I don't think that you need to have the expectation of this offense is A, B, C, D, and E three weeks into it. But now we're starting to figure out what that identity is on offense. And the fact that this team is 5-2, and two, Derek Carr is playing out of his mind, and now we're starting to figure out who they are, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to get better. And I'm with 211, where, yes, I think we have seen a really good version of this Raiders offense, but I don't know if we've seen the best version of it yet. Damon, are we going back to the phones? Yes, we are. We got Raider 562 on the line. Let's go, Raider 562. Thanks for calling the show. What do you got, man? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, uh, just calling, man. I, I <laughs> it's my first time calling into you guys, so but uh, I, I like the content, of what you guys got going on. You got me cracking up over here with the Halloween candy <laughs> breakdown. But uh, I think I think where we are is uh, is is great. You know what I mean? I, it's uh, a great position to be in, and I think we hold our own destiny. I think it's up to us uh, to to uh, to kind of keep that, uh, I think one of you guys mentioned it, consistency is going to be key moving forward. And also just them playing for one another because that's what I see. I see them, I see them out there playing for one another and communicating. And those are things that we've been missing over the years is just that communication, accountability, and those type of things have been missing on the field. I don't think we're at our. I don't think we're at our uh, our peak. I think we're uh, coming into our um, coming into our own. You know what I mean? I think we still have some things to show because we have those weapons. I mean, on on offense that we already really had. The only thing that was different was our line. You know what I mean? But they look like they're shaping up. And then our defense. We got so many different weapons. 
you know what I mean, on the defense that could put that pressure on on the uh, the quarterback, it's you know, it looks it looks beautiful. And I'm just hoping that they can keep it up. And uh, I don't think we're gonna have the same uh, slide off like we did last year. I think they're gonna stay consistent and uh, take us to the playoffs. But thank you. Hey, thanks for the call, man. And, and, and look, one thing you said there that I think is really important is playing for each other. You know, not every locker room is equipped to handle some of the stuff that this team has handled this year. But also, not even just the Gruden stuff that everybody's really got on their minds right now. I always go back to Darren Waller and the journey for Darren Waller. Now, look, I feel like sometimes that that's if you're a Raiders fan, every single broadcast you watch it, you get tired of hearing the same stories about battling addiction every single week. Because I don't know that for a lot of us that watch every game, you want that to be the only thing that defines the story of Darren Waller. I don't think it is. But I do think that there's a camaraderie that's come through not just uh, Waller's journey, but also Max's journey. And you start to think about what has to be created in a locker room to have real conversations about overcoming addiction. Uh, the team's also been really upfront about conquering mental health together. Those sorts of conversations mean a lot to guys in the locker room. And I, I will always go back to a player who doesn't play for the Raiders, but plays in the NFL right now. And I talked to him a couple of years ago about a great season he was having. And I said, why? Like, what's different this year? And he said, man, when I walk in and I talk to my coaches, I believe that they give a damn about me as a human being. And that's that's real for guys. Like, sometimes when you walk in the room and you feel like the people left and right of you, when you feel like the people that are in your position group every day care about your actual life, when you when you feel like your bosses care about your actual life, you bring it at a different level, just like any of us do for any of our jobs. And there's a real sense that this Raiders team has found a way to really – interject with each other and, and, and become one off the field and one as a locker room. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a, a somebody that I know behind the scenes at ESPN that's leaving and uh, he's going on to another opportunity. And he was texting last night and he was saying the best thing that ever came out of working at ESPN was a friend group that we've all made that's been there for each other. I think that's real in life. I think that's real in locker rooms. And I think you can feel that palpable reality right now with this team. I don't know how you ever replicate it. But I know that's part of why I don't believe that a slide's in the future because it's a slide you got to rip apart. I don't know what rips a, a team apart that feels this bonded to me. Yeah, and I think you that incredibly well said, Fitz. And to kind of just add on to that, I mean, everything that we have heard from Rich Bisaccia and about Rich Bisaccia since he took over as interim head coach is that he is one of those guys. He is a guy that people want to go to bat for. He is a guy that people want to play for. And we've heard it a lot over the past several weeks where he was the perfect fit at this time for the Raiders. And look, he gets his opportunity. This guy this is a dude who's been in the NFL for four decades. He got his opportunity. And granted, it didn't come in the most traditional way. It didn't come, I'm sure, in the way that he was hoping that it would come. Uh, obviously, he steps into a situation that I think is fair to say is less than ideal. But he's the perfect guy for this moment. And we've heard how what, he, what an incredible teacher he is, what an incredible motivator he is. And he is a guy that he's going to come to work every single day. He's going to be able to connect with all 53 guys on that roster and say, hey, look, how are we going to do what we need to do on Sunday? Let's, let's handle that part of it. But also, like, are you good? Everything's good at home? Like, do you need any help? He had a great line the other day, and I think it was last Monday, where he was talking about, and he's kind of poking fun at himself. He goes, look, 
you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an older guy. Like, I got a lot of things that I know. I have a lot of knowledge that I can impart on these guys. He goes, I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. I want to help these guys not make the same mistakes that I did. And, and Rich is just, you know, in knowing him these past couple of years when he was on the staff back in Oakland too, I mean, he really is that guy. Like, that guy you see at the press conferences who's so engaged, who's taking notes, who wants to – it feels like he genuinely wants to hear what the reporters are asking him. Like, that's just who he is. That's every interaction I've ever had with him. That is the guy that he's been. And so we talk about, you know, making sure that these 53 dudes are ready to go come game day. I mean, I think that you talk about Ole and Rich Passaccia and Gus Bradley, who we've heard a million times that these guys love him. You have a good core at the top of this organization right now of making sure these dudes are ready to go, not only on the field, but dealing with the, the mental aspect of this as well. All right, I think we've got some tweets coming in. You can tweet us, by the way, RNR69187. That's the easy way that you get in on the Twitter hotline. You can tweet us about what we're talking about, about Halloween candy, about how awesome we are. Any of that works. Damon, what do we got on the Twitter line? That's the text line. I keep saying Twitter. Yeah, I didn't I was, get I was you were so good yeah, yesterday. You were, you were, you were so you know? good. I'm so yeah, I I I've I really own that though. Like I was swaggy with my mistakes there. See, that's the theme of the day. Just walking with that swag. Damon, what do you got on the text line? RNR69187. I'm gonna go. <laughs> First, I'm going to go with the candy one. How old is Spitz? Everything he doesn't like is trash. <laughs> Sounds like the fourth and fifth graders in my Sunday school class. That's from Dana and Boca Raton. And we also have a football question. Mailman Raider. Sup, boys? Question. What happens when we get all these players back off IR? With guys like Perryman and Faison playing so well with Moro and Mullen, will, will Moro and Mullen lose their starting spots? Or do they jump back in? Uh, let's let's address the most important question there first. I'm 44, thank you. And uh, you look fantastic, a, though. I'm a 44 year old man that has decided to be very secure in what I like. All right, uh, like <laughs> I, I I happen to enjoy my candies. To be uh, you want my other hot take that, that this is just going to spin Eddie up. He's not ready for this. Oh gosh, I, I don't like my desserts hot. I never want a hot dessert. So like you if I make brownies. I put them in the fridge. I wait till they cool and then I eat them. Like if I if like don't don't bring me a cookie skillet. Wait till the cookie like a good cookie should be able to be soft at room temperature. I'll take my room temperature or my cold cookie and don't put ice cream on it because then I've just got soup on my hot cookie. I don't need that, right? Like I want my desserts to be cold, not hot. Like I'm very particular, Eddie. You, you know if it's I, I won't actually I won't give you a hard time for that. And the only reason I won't is because I'm admittedly not a huge dessert guy, so I don't feel like I can cast judgment on another person for their dessert. Uh, uh, preferences now in terms of steaks in terms of uh, an actual meal yes i will come down and i will make fun of you i will do this that and the other but i'm just not a big dessert guy so i will allow you to have that uh, that little uniqueness about you fit so Thank no judgment here brother judgment medium rare on the, we're medium rare we're, we're all team medium rare on the steaks are we yep. are, are we gonna okay yep, Demond, yep, yep. we team medium rare yep yep Okay, the more important question here is what happens when guys get back off of IR. I don't want to rush the answer to that because that is a great question and there's a lot to it. So I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. You guys can chime in 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the phone calls. You can also text us. I'm going to get that right today. RNR69187. Text us your thoughts. And when we come back, I'll explain what I think all of the injuries could mean for the second half of the season for the Raiders. We'll do that next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're filling in for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. This week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. I like the music choice, Damon. That's nice. Wow, night on Ball Mountain? Is that what we got? We got or is that Dvorak? I don't know. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz going deep dive on the classical music. Fitz, oh, is that you so playing? 
No, no, no. But I played that as a kid in the uh, in. This is for all the Vegas people listening. It, we played that in the Sunset Symphony, which was a like training symphony that did rehearsals in the Showboat Casino in the '80s. That was award winning, like won all these international awards and everything, and uh, was actually an amazing training orchestra full of mostly college kids and. Yeah, I was the concertmaster when I was eight. So uh, humble brag, just throwing that in there. Little uh, little kid in a tux. I, I was adorable, Eddie. I was adorable in a tux. I don't doubt uh, that. I can, don't... Can, real quick, though, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever gotten the Fitz uh, fiddle origin story. Do we have time for that, Damon? Could we go down the, uh, the rabbit hole for oh, a quick yes, second? Oh, yes, we got time for it. We'll make the time for it. Let's go. No, I, so when I was four years old, my parents – so I grew up – for anyone that's listening in Vegas or for anyone that doesn't know uh, – you know, if you don't know Vegas, it won't mean anything. But I grew up uh, right down from the Meadows Mall, right? And so when I was a little kid, my mom wanted to play the piano. And so my parents got a piano. And my next door neighbor had been a like a musician for Elvis on the strip. So he was coming over to the house and was going to give her piano lessons in the house. And so there's nobody musical in my family at all. And uh, my mom was terrible, like the worst musician in history. And But I was four, and I would crawl up on the bench, and by ear I would play what the guy was trying to show her to play just sitting at the piano. So my parents were like, okay, he must have a propensity. So they took me to UNLV, and UNLV didn't have any piano teachers available. So they were like, hey, how about we put him in Suzuki and play him violin? And that way he can start to learn, you know, the ambidextrous portion of, of playing because you need to kind of have that as a kid. And so they were like, yeah, what the heck? And I was the worst, dude, I was the worst, like the worst little violin player in history, but I was a <laughs> stubborn kid. And so like you're supposed to go through Suzuki book one in like six months. Didn't happen for me. Took me like a year, over a year to get through like 10 pieces. It was terrible. They were begging me to switch to piano, but I was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. And then once I figured it out, it legit just clicked. And I went through uh, book after book after book after book. Before you know it, I was crushing it. And there was a teacher that had retired from the Royal Conservatory in Las Vegas, took me on as his only student. And uh, before you know it, by the time I was eight, I was practicing eight hours a day and learning how to be a little classical violinist. So I played Carnegie Hall when I was 10 and got into Juilliard around that time. And, uh, you know, we moved to the East Coast. So it's, uh, it's, that was my, that's my origin story for being a classical musician. And then in high school, I found out that you can practice a lot less and get a lot more girls if you do it in a band. So that's, uh, that was the real, the real exodus of classical music to me. I got tired of playing a Mozart uh, and, and decided I wanted to play something else. But when I moved to Nashville, it was because I sang in a group that got a record deal. I thought I was going to be a famous singer, and it didn't, uh, didn't happen. Started playing fiddle for people, and before you know it, bam, the band Perry. That's my quick version of my origin story. So, I, Fitz, uh, I had no idea that you went to Juilliard. I learned something new today. Yeah, yeah, I was a little uh, child prodigy musician kid. So, wow. You know, that was... That was my, yeah, which is why it's funny. Every time I do a show for ESPN and people always ask, how the hell did you get a show on ESPN? I don't know. Now, I started a podcast and uh, talked to my music buddies about football and my football buddies about music and worked my butt off to try and get somebody to notice me. And uh, But what's funny is every time we do a show where they're like, hey, can you send us like pictures of your childhood of you playing like whatever sport you played as a child? I'm like. I didn't play a sport. Like, I can show you pictures of me holding a violin that looked abnormally large because I was little, but, like, there's no – there's a, I didn't play t-ball. Like, there's nothing on that. So, uh, I, I got nothing on the sports. Side. You have to be the athlete of this group, Eddie, which is not the proposition we wanted. We might want to let DeMond do that. Yeah, I think that in hindsight, DeMond should be kind of our, our lead athlete person in this triumvirate. But it's funny now where I'm like, I'm pretty good size. I'm like six one and a half, six two, depending on, on the day. But I was a very late bloomer. So I grew 10 inches between my junior and senior year. So I was a little dude all the way literally until the end of high school. And then all of a sudden I was like, 
oh, I'm kind of tall and my knees hurt really, really, really bad all the time. But, uh, yeah, I think that in, in the current version of all of us, Damon has got to be the, the best athlete amongst us. Can I, can I say, too, like, I just always figured you were a swimmer because you're a tall, lanky guy. Like, I figured you're kind of built like Phelps, you know. I'm, I just I figured you were a swimmer. Yeah, I, I mean, I played soccer in high school, but that was mostly, again, because I was very short and I was a, I was a little dude. I was, not a, uh, I was not a very big kid. I was, like I said, literally very, very small until, uh, yeah, about my middle of my way through my junior year, and then all of a sudden it, uh, it clicked. Damon, are you comfortable being the athletic representation for this show? I will take it. I'll take my team captain of the basketball team senior year. I'll, I'll, yeah, my, those are my bona fides. <laughs> So what I just learned is that DeMond's not going to get either of us the ball. I did play a lot of rec league basketball for many yeah. years of my life, uh, by the way, as I got older. Uh, all right, so now that we've given everybody the indication of why they shouldn't listen to our sports opinions, we're going to give them anyway. That's what we do. Takes, He's takes, Pascal. Takes. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick. Uh, you guys can chime in, 702-365-9200. You can also text RNR69187. So the question we were asked earlier, uh, was what happens when guys start to get healthy. Now, there's a really easy answer to that of depth, which I think we all understand in a 17-game season is important. But I'm going to take it a step further on this. I know that we hear a lot of coaches talk about, you know, a guy doesn't lose his job because of injury. And I believe that there's some conversation around that. But at the end of the day, I want my coaching staff to be a little bit like the college football playoff committee. I want them to look at every position group and say, I'm going to put my best version of this group on the field this weekend. That's when coaches are doing their best work. Now, every athlete's going to believe that they're their best. But as well as Faceon's played, for example, do I believe that, that Mullen is a better player on paper than Faceon? Yes, of course. I, I said coming into the season, I thought that Mullen had every opportunity to prove himself as a true number one corner in this league. Do I believe that it's a given the minute he feels good that he gets the job back? What I want from this coaching staff, and I think is important to every athlete I talk to that plays in the NFL, I want everything earned. So when Mullen is ready and when Mullen outreps Faceon in practice, he'll get back on the field. And I don't think we as fans need to rush any of that. Let it grow. Let it be. And let the coaches have this opportunity to show everybody in the locker room you get what you work for. And Fitz, you brought up that 17th game. And I know it is just one more game technically on the end of the schedule. But this is the NFL. Every single game that you go into, you, someone is going to get banged up. This is the most physical game in the entire world. And, and the fact that now we talk about that depth of guys coming back. And I think the beautiful thing, and you mentioned it with Trayvon, is when he's ready to come back, when the coaching staff and the, and the training staff say, hey, this dude is ready to go, because of how well Brandon Faison is playing, you do not have to rush him back. You could say, hey, Trayvon, listen to, listen to your body. You tell us when you're coming back. Hopefully he does not come back in a position. And look, we still have a, a this could change completely by the time he's actually ready to go. But we talked about it a little bit with Leatherwood yesterday, where keep him and let him do what he needs to do unless injuries say otherwise. And when Trayvon comes back, fingers crossed, you are not going to have to launch him back into that starting lineup in, in the matter of, a matter of days. So we talk about the depth, the importance of the depth. And I think that because of that and because of the 17th game, and how well this secondary in general is playing. From Brandon to Nate Hobbs to Casey Hayward to, to Abram and, and Tra uh, the other Trayvon on the backside. I mean, look, you don't have to bring him back at a quick pace. You can bring him back when he's ready to go back. And frankly, that is the biggest advantage that you can have right now. The biggest blessing in disguise that you could have if you're Gus Bradley. Well, and, and realistically, the one thing that I think uh, so often we forget is that life is about finding the mismatch and exploiting the mismatch, right? Like as much as we talk about the players, 
the coaches are really out there trying to earn finding the mismatch and exploiting the mismatch. One thing that we have to acknowledge is that this team, I thought, especially once injuries started to come in at the corner position, I thought there'd be some exploitable mismatches. And we talked about, you know, some of the struggles that Amika's had, for example. And, and I believe the team see him on the field and they were going for him, right? Well, we have to understand also that as the season progresses and people get more and more tape, what do they want to do? They want to spread you out if they think that's how they beat you. They want to spread you out if they think that they can find any wide receiver. Most teams have a better third wide receiver than their opponent has a third corner. That's just depth in the way the league is, is broken down and also the advantage of play calling. So in my mind, even if all of this sort of normalizes to a spot that uh, Mullins back in is the number one or number two corner, depending on, on how he continues to progress. Like if he's back in that situation, what you've really done is you've protected yourself against the mismatch of a team that wants to go five wide. Cause at this point I I'd take Nate Hobbs up against anybody in that slot and feel good about it. I'm not worried about that. So then the question becomes, what's the rest of your depth look like? We know the safeties are playing at a high level. So having three corners that could all be starting corners that can play on the outside is a benefit for the mismatch that teams will try and find. Yeah, and look, that's sports in general, right, Fitz, where you're always trying to find the mismatch. The mismatch. I was watching the Warriors game the other day, and they were talking ju about that very thing on the broadcast because uh, Steve Kerr was going time and time and time again after Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the defensive side of the football, or excuse me, the defensive side of the basketball, where they said, look, he's an incredible scorer, but he can't stop Steph Curry. So we're going to go back to him over and over and over again. And at one point, SGA looked over to the bench, and he kind of shrugged his shoulders. He goes, we all know what they're doing. We all know what's happening. You guys got to help me out here. Like, this is not a secret what's happening here. Someone come give me a lifeline. And, and it's all about those matchups. It's all about, hey, like you said, our third wide receiver is better than their third DB. We really like this matchup of Josh Jacobs uh, lined up out wide against one of their linebackers. If you're Ole, if you're Coach Basaccia, if you're Gus Bradley, that is what you spend your time during the week doing, figuring out, hey, who's healthy, who's ready to go, who do we have at our disposal, and how do we put our guys in better positions against their guys? Well, and that's part of why you constantly hear the conversation around teams. The thing you really got to ask yourself, is when are we dynamic? We're dynamic when the coordinator on the other team has to sit down and say, how the hell are we planning for that guy? And that's what I think we've seen this year on the defensive side of the ball because it's Max and Yannick, both that are playing so well. We've talked about that. You know, you start to say, okay, how do I plan my defense around not getting exposed by those two people? I would argue that the way that Casey Hayward has played this year, it suddenly forces a quarterback to now adjust protection to protect himself against two rushers and then also say, where's Casey on the field? Because they're not throwing at him as much, right? So, you know, all of these things with depth become part of it. That, that being said, we left one person out of this conversation. And he's somebody that coming into the season, we all thought the Raiders would be relying on if they were going to have a playoff year. We'll talk about him, what it means for the defense next. And you guys can continue chiming in 702-365-9200. You can also text RNR69187. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're filling in for JT the Brick. This is the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. That's right. It's the fifth quarter takeover. We've got one hour left with you this week before we're done in what's been a delightful week. And I will say loudly and proudly that we need to thank DeMond for all the work that he's done getting yes. the two of us reined in. Because DeMond's a rock star, and Eddie and I are just absolute morons. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. At the end of the day, we get to hang out 
in these chairs with these mics and talk about kind of whatever we want, and we hope you guys enjoy it along the way. So you can chime in 702-365-9200. You can also text RNR69187. That's how you get in on the conversation. I told you I was going to tell you one person on the defensive side of the ball that we need to have a conversation about. But before we do that, Eddie, we need to peek behind the curtain to, to a weird adjustment to my childhood. All right, yes. Because it, it pertains to what you're dealing with now. Today... Uh, or sorry, tomorrow will be the recognition of Nevada Day. Now, that sounds absurd to everybody listening across the country. But let me explain to you what it's like for fat violin little kid Jason Fitz. All right. Fat violin little kid Jason Fitz. Uh, you know, awkward eight-hour-a-day practicing Jason Fitz. Moves from Vegas to Maine at the time. All right. So we moved first to Scarborough, Maine. And two things about that. Number one. I, like, I grew up in Vegas where there was a bus stop and all the kids stood at the bus stop and you all got in, like, at certain bus stops, right? So my first day of school in, in Maine, I was late getting there, so it was already school was already in session. And the bus came right to my door, so I was like, oh, my God, we live at the bus stop. That's amazing. Problematic on the way home when they asked what my address was, and I had no idea. I did the one thing kids aren't supposed to do. I got very lost on the bus, all right? So my main experience, already not starting out particularly well. Again, fat, fat kid violin playing Jason Fitz, having a hard time adjusting. So then we get to Halloween, and all of a sudden we get to Halloween, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. We have school on Halloween? And all the kids are laughing at me. They're like, why the heck would we not have school on Halloween? And I'm like, because it's state day. And I'm like, what is state day? And so I thought maybe after all these years and maybe copious amounts partying on the road that maybe I'd made part of that up in my mind. Only to find out DeMond telling me tomorrow is the recognition in Nevada of state day because Nevada, for anyone that doesn't know, became a state on October 31st, back in the, like, 18-something, right? So October 31st, every year, the state basically shuts down for a state holiday to recognize the, the day that they became an officially recognized state in the U.S., and that date is typically Halloween. So I'm not crazy. We got Halloween off, and everybody in the country should recognize it so that all kids can have Halloween off to go trick-or-treating and get their costumes. Now, Fitz, my, my question to you is this, because I very similar, well, I had the, almost the complete opposite uh, childhood experience compared to you, because I, I had no idea, we had never had a California day off as a kid, I'd never heard of such a thing, and then we come here, and you're like, oh, by the way, tomorrow or next week is Nevada Day, oh, what, what's Nevada Day? So my question to you is this, do other states have days where they honor their uh, statehood, or is this a Nevada-specific holiday? It's a Nevada specific holiday. So, and like, there's I not like an to... Alabama day or a Connecticut no, day? No. I mean, I've lived at this point in my life, I have lived in Nevada, uh, New York, Maine, Maryland, Virginia, Chicago, Tennessee, Connecticut. I've never had a state day anywhere else. So, I've covered a pretty good amount of the country and I've never had a state day. And in fact, I've been lucky enough to play shows in every state in the U.S. other than Hawaii. It's the one I missed, and uh, Hawaii is the only place I haven't been to in the U.S. Never had a state day show. Never had, like, a big, like, ooh, state day off. Let's have a state day parade. Nope, it's our Nevada thing only. And I, I, I don't get it, but I'm kind of here for it. Like, uh, you know, whatever the reason is that we get an extra day off, we'll take. But then to make that extra day off, like, maybe we should make every, uh, like, Halloween be the day that we recognize state day. What do you think on that? Are we good? I'm I'm a hundred percent with you there. Like this is, and I imagine if you're a little kid, that is probably the best thing ever, right? Where you go out, you're like, all right, I don't have to go to school today, and I get to go trick or treating. I get to hang out with my boys and eat copious amounts of candy. Yes, let us lock this in. I want to do this for the next twenty five years. Damon, as our resident Nevadan, you've been here longer than than I have. Is uh, 
Did you enjoy this as a child as well? Wait, that's the only barometer to being the resident in Nevada? Yeah, longer than You've been there like six seconds, and that's all. Okay, came. I came to Nevada sophomore year high school, so I remember being 15. It's like, yeah. How we got like my friends, the friends that I made, like yeah, we got Halloween off, and I'm like, what for? I was like, is Halloween a big deal out here? It's like, no, it's Nevada Day, <laughs> and I, and in my head, I was like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> that that was my reaction to that. It's like, no, I think I think that they just wanted to take a day off. The state in general, the state as a whole, decided let's take a day off, guys. I'm with hey, but yeah. good for good for the state for having for being like, listen. We're not about we're not about that life today. We're gonna give everyone a chance to reset. We're gonna give everyone a chance to have a nice three day weekend. And good, more power to them, man. I think I'm with you, Fitz. Every state, and I don't know if it has to be Halloween, but every state should recognize the day that they join the uh, join the United States. I think that's a that's a cool deal. Let's let's start this movement, Fitz. Let's start this petition. You guys can text us RNR six nine one eight seven or call seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Tell us about your state day. While I'm at it, by the way, I'll just quickly tell the world that then, if I ever became czar of the world, because let's face it, with my past, no way I'm becoming president. So if I ever became world czar, the other thing I would change is I would move every holiday on the calendar to a Saturday, with the national recognition of it being on a Friday, so that like it doesn't matter whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Fourth of July, you observe them all on a Saturday where Friday is a national holiday, which gives everybody time to then get to where they want to be for that holiday and then Sunday to get back so that you have the day before and the day after off. Look at that. I'm fixing a lot in the world today. You are, and I will piggyback off that, and we'll make this world an even better place. If I were the czar of the world, if I was the global czar fit, uh, the Monday following the Super Bowl, national holiday, nobody's going to work. I mean, why not just move, can we just move the Super Bowl to Saturday? That's no, the one thing I no, 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 no. Super Bowl move the stays Super Bowl to... on Sunday. Why? Because it gives you something to look forward to. Because you have that whole weekend to get in the zone, be like, hey, it's going to be a great Super Bowl Sunday. I got to go to the store. I got to get my uh, get all my treats, my snacks, my beers, everything. And then on Monday, you don't have to worry about going to work. It's fantastic. Don't ruin this for the people, Fitz. Do not okay. ruin it. Could we not observe, like, whatever? Isn't there a holiday like President's Day or one of those that's sort of around? Like, couldn't we just, uh, like, shift some things and maybe just, like, like all of a sudden I'm changing the entire national calendar to, to match the Super Bowl? Not that I live a sports-centric life. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, we, we were asked earlier what happens when guys start to come back. And uh, I, I do quickly want to say, as much as we address the secondary, I do think the linebacker position is much different. And, look, we came into the year thinking that Nicholas Morrow was going to be a a guy, like one of the guys, right? Like somebody that we would be building around for this season. But I would also say this. We were sold a lot of different things coming into the season about what the linebacking core would look like. At some point, you got to say, what do we think versus what do we have? And what we have with Denzel Perryman is I don't know if it's sustainable. And, frankly, I don't care if it's sustainable. I don't care if this is the version of that Applebee song, like it's just going to get overplayed and it's never going to sustain and in three years it's not going to be good. I don't care because today, right now, it's catchy. And Denzel Perryman right now is doing everything you could possibly ask him to do. So whether it's a one-hit wonder or whether it's sustainable, you don't take him off the field. What I think could happen if and when we get back in that core to to better health, I think what you could see in that situation is a little bit more of a rotation like we see on the defensive line. But at the end of the day, as long as Perryman's playing lights out, I'm not touching that. 
No, you can't. You really, you really can't do it, Fitz. You're 100% right there. Where this guy is, by every metric, and tackles all that kind of good stuff, is at the top of the league in terms of linebackers. So he's playing an incredible brand of football. He's a man reborn in Las Vegas. We talk about what this desert air has done to so many guys on this team. We're seeing the best version of Solomon Thomas. We're seeing the best version of Casey Hayward. We're seeing the best version of Denzel Perryman. And it's really exciting to watch. But to your point, he's playing fantastic. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you talk about Nicholas Morrow, a friend of the program, Nicholas Morrow. And he was a guy coming into the season where we heard, hey, he is going to be our best linebacker. Our best A to Z linebacker is Nicholas Morrow. And he's kind of become the forgotten man now because we haven't seen him in so long. And we talk about Trayvon and not having to rush him back. And I think the same kind of uh, analysis, the same kind of approach can go with Nick Morrow too, where look, you look at, at Denzel Perryman, he's playing great. You look at Cordy Littleton playing much better than he did a year ago. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, we talk about that rotation and you see how effective it has been for that defensive line. If you can get a healthy Nicholas Morrow back at some point this season, I don't know if you necessarily need to ask him to step in and be that every down linebacker. You can say, hey, Nick, give me a really good 15, 20, 25 snaps. Give guys a chance to uh, a chance to breathe. Let's really get this rotation kicking and turn it into defensive line 2.0. Well, and I mean, look at what we've seen from Carl Nassib, right? Like sometimes less is more when it comes to snap count and getting a lot of productivity out of it. And, and the other side of it is like all the advanced analytics weenies, of which it, at times I am one. Uh, will tell you how much the Raiders have played in dime over the last couple of weeks. I think that's partially based on where they know they have strength right now, where you have strength in personnel grouping. So that's a strength for the team right now, the way they've been playing. Now, maybe they'll go into dime a little bit less if they feel like they can with more on the field, but also at the end of the day, if it's working, don't change anything. Damon, did you give me the fingers like we have a text, I think, on the text line? I, I, I thought I got the joystick fingers, so what do we got? <laughs> All right, guys. I don't know what he means by WTS, but WTS. As good fellas, this is Steve from New Jersey. Fitz, I used to listen to you on Mike and Ike. Oh, on Mike and Mike. I don't know. You said Mike and Ike about the candy. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. used to listen to you on Mike and Mike and loved you because you always stuck up for the Raiders. Look at that. I, that, that some things never change, y'all. Like, I just got to tell you, too, like the amount of laughter I get at this point in a good way. Like, everybody thinks that Bristol's anti-Raiders. Uh, the people on air aren't at all, and I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of them. But I walked in on Monday, and I was wearing, like, I, it, there's this, like, pullover thing. They sell at Allegiant. Like, it's rare that I walk in, and I'm like, I'm going to make it rain. But the first time I walked into Allegiant and I saw this, I was like, doesn't matter how much it is. I went and bought it. So I was wearing that, and I was wearing, like, the white Raiders shoes with, like, the 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 black jock. Like, I had the look going and everybody was like you are just going to be the worst all year aren't you and I'm like uh you think it's bad now oh yeah I'm repping it on every single uh, every single program also trying to get some free gear like on some of the Raiders show or some of the shows this weekend they keep asking me if I want to wear a Halloween costume I'm like yeah can I dress up as a crazy Raiders fan in which case can I expense a bunch of Raiders gear smart you know like I'm just trying to get free stuff out of it Eddie like I think that's entrepreneurial of me at the very least absolutely I mean it's just good in this economy fits that's just good planning that's just good planning Nothing more, nothing less. That is just solid financial planning. I got to ask you this, though, Fitz. You talk about uh, when you walk around campus in in Bristol that you are the resident Raiders guy. Who else among the ESPN folks are very loud and proud in their fandom? Uh, Well, a a lot of people. Randy Scott is a loud and proud, the sports center anchor, is a loud and proud Raiders fan, actually. uh, Shout out to Randy Scott. Randy Scott is a big Raiders fan. Uh, Doug Kazarian, who now lives in Vegas, is also a big Raiders fan, uh, of course. Uh, But like L. Duncan is, I mean, L. Duncan 
now makes trash talking videos with a band on Saturdays for Georgia football. Like she sings little ditties, trash talking other SEC football teams. And that's real. Like the the love of the Atlanta Braves is real for several of our talent that have Atlanta backgrounds. But like Atlanta sports in general has a lot of representation. Kevin Nagandi, biggest Eagles fan uh, I know, uh, in fact, ghosted me for three days before the game and two days afterwards and then said, I finally feel like we can be friends again after what you did on Sunday. So, uh, you know, most of the people that work at ESPN work there because of their fandom at some point. Like that's what draws us all in. And that's why. It is amazing when the Raiders win. My phone lights up with all the all the all the people that a lot of listeners think are anti Raiders are the very people that are texting me after the Raiders win, and they're like, "This is so stinking awesome to see you and like see your favorite team win and know how like jacked you are for it." So, like a lot of that, like people may not have opinions that we like on the Raiders, and we they may not have opinions that we agree with on the Raiders. That doesn't mean that they're coming in and saying, <laughs> "How can I get the Raiders fans all jacked up?" It's not really that. Like it's not that evil. It's not that deep, y'all. And the thing is, too, Fizz, and we talk about it a lot internally here, but it's like the league, in my humble opinion, is better when the Raiders are relevant, right? We are one of those organizations that you feel some type of way about the Raiders. You love the Raiders. You can't stand the Raiders. Oh, my second uncle twice removed was a huge Raiders fan. And so I had everyone seemed to have a, Ra- have a Raiders story. Don't they fit? So oh, yeah. the Raiders are one of those teams where when we're in the mix, when we're feeling good, when we're winning ballgames, I think the overall NFL product is, is a little bit better. Granted, I'm biased, but I think it's a little bit better. No, And I'll say, you know, everybody, there's, there's a lot of bad reporting sometimes about what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do at ESPN. And, and I do say bad reporting. Like, just stop listening to a lot of those people because nobody's ever come into any of my shows and said, you have to say this, you can't say that. Like, it's never, ever happened. That being said... When I came, when I first got the job with Spain and Fitz uh, on ESPN Radio, I went to the bosses and I was like, "Y'all know my fandom. What do you want me to do about it? Do you want me to like dial it down? Do you want me to talk less Raiders?" And the answer I got immediately was like, "No, the Raiders are one of the brands that resonate. Talk about the Raiders as much as you want. Like as long as the Raiders are at least relevant in the NFL conversation, you can you can spend all day talking about them." And what's funny is there have been times I've gone into production meetings on several of my different shows and been like, "Hey, let's talk about the let's say for example, let's talk about the Titans this week. Like they're winning a bunch of games." And the immediate answer I get is nobody cares about the Titans. I've never heard that about the Raiders. And that that's just fact. Like, I, I've always been real with y'all. I'll always be real with y'all. Eddie knows this, too. Like, if, if they were trying to squish the Raiders talk or the Raiders conversation, uh, I'd be the first to tell you. They're not. Like, it's just at the end of the day, what happens is just like we said yesterday, where we sit there and we laugh at certain teams like the Bengals because we're like, ah, the Browns are going to Brown. The Bengals are going to Bengal. There's a lot of people that think the Raiders are going to Raider. And until the Raiders do otherwise, that's still going to be a popular opinion. And I have the Chargers are going to Charger to that list as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, frankly, year after year after year. And, and I told you yesterday where I'm, I'm very honest about how I root on Justin Herbert except for the two times that he plays the silver and black. But historically speaking, the Ra- excuse me, not the Raiders, the Chargers are one of those teams that just find a way to stub their toe in December and January. So you talk about Raiders, Raidering, Browns, Browns, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the Chargers are one of those teams too. But, I mean, look, like we said a second ago, everyone feels some kind of way about the Raiders. It's kind of like the Cowboys too, where like everyone fe- has, has that obnoxious Cowboys friend, or maybe you are that obnoxious Cowboys friend. Fitz, are you the obnoxious Raiders friend to a lot of your, your boys? Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no, there's no, no doubt about it. I turn everything into a Raiders conversation whenever I possibly can. Like it, it takes 
two seconds for me to make it a Raider-related thing. So, you know, and even on the NFL draft, like, I, I have – we'll get into whole meetings, and I'm immediately – the minute I'm talking to the field Yates of the world that's got, like, a breakdown of, you know, 500 different players on a spreadsheet, I'm like, all right, so who do you think's going to the Raiders? And he's like, oh, my God, can we at least get into, like, the, the meat of the conversation before we get to the Raiders? No, every single time. I'm that guy. I am that obnoxious fan. That's fun, though. And that's what that's what half of this is about, right? Half of it is just hanging out with your buddies. Essentially, and we talk about this all the time, where my goal for all the shows that we do fit is to just have it be like me and you are at a bar somewhere hanging out. It's us hanging out with our buddies, and we just happen to be on air at the time. And I think that resonates with people, right? Like, you want us to be – we, me and Jason want to be guys that you want to hang out with. And I'll throw Damon in there, too. People want to hang out with you, right, Damon? Of course they do. I'm a very popular guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Can you say I'm a very popular guy and still be a popular guy? I don't know. Damon, you said we got a text. What do you got? Uh, by the way, you guys can text us, R N R six nine one eight seven. What do we got, Damon? Hey, guys, in Utah, we have Pioneer Day, which is pretty oh. much the same thing, and it's a state holiday. Raider Ryan. Oh, Shout out to Raider Ryan. Ryan. All right, and we got another one. Oh, this one is a wordy one. As a proud member of Raider Nation, we all want a candy like Hunter Renfro. Third and Renfro can run catch, break up passes, return kicks, leads the league in missed tackles, and lay the hit stick whenever necessary. The Hunter Renfro of candy is pretzel M&M's. It's sweet, salty, smooth, and crunchy. It is truly the candy that can do it all. The Raider Farmer. Okay, the Raider Farmer. Shout out to the Farmer. Raider Farmer's close on this one, but I don't know because I'm going to have to go with – I'm trying to pull it up here to make sure I remember everything in it. Isn't there like a whole bunch of stuff in a 100-gram bar? Like a 100-gram bar, yeah, that's the one that has like – it has like all the different little things in it, right? Like is that the one? I'm trying to think of what's the most like – it's all in a bucket. and I, I would say Hunter Renfro, too, might be a little bit more of the combo of, like, when you go to the movie theater and you get popcorn and yes. then you dump the candy in the yes. popcorn directly, which is its own beast. Do you put the, the butter on the popcorn before you dump the candy, Eddie, or after? Uh, I do it I do it prior. I do everything pre. It's it's The candy is the last, essentially, the, uh, the, the, the ice cream on the Sunday or the, the cherry on the Sunday, if you will. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because the ice cream on the Sunday would be weird. That, yeah, it would be, be weird. That would be the, weird. On the ice cream. We'll go and then again, the fat kid in me really loves the concept of this. By the way, y'all, like <laughs> I did eventually take care of my eating. I feel like I should qualify that to everybody. Uh, I, I think that's a good analogy though, the Hunter Renfro. Like, what does that make Derek Carr in the Halloween candies uh aisle? Like is Derek Carr the Reese's peanut butter cup? Like you just know that it's consistently just awesome. I mean, this year, like, it, nobody's ever displeased with a peanut butter cup, right? Like, everybody's always looking at it like, yeah, I got a peanut butter cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Derek, Derek is in that, in that top tier of candy, right? So Derek is the, the Reese's, the Twix, the uh, – I mean, how do you, are you guys pro-Butterfinger? I know that's kind of a, a hot-button yeah, issue for some people. I can get down on a Butterfinger, yeah. Yeah, okay, good, good. I mean, there's some people in my life who are not pro-Butterfinger, so you never know. So, but I think Derek is very much in that world of like, hey, it's going to be good. I know it hasn't disappointed me in nine years, whatever it is, and I, it's going to make me happy at the end of the day. You know what? I think I just decided Henry Ruggs, hot tamales, because it, yep. it can burn you. It can burn you. Oh, yep, yep, yep. see what I did? <laughs> what if Henry Ruggs – Eat a hot tamale on a magic carpet. How about that? Oh, man. Getting back to the magic. <laughs> you know what? Now we've decided where the next 40 minutes is going. You guys, what what player is what candy? That's where we are now. <laughs> RNR69187. That's how you actually text in. Give us the player candy combinations. I think this could get kind of interesting. You know, I, I think uh, what it, I, I'm trying to think of marrying. Like, marrying is, is you know what marrying is? Hershey's Kisses. Because, like, it's consistent. 
you don't even realize it's there, and then you look down and you're like, yeah, I got a Hershey's kiss. Like, I feel yep. good about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, that is good. That is solid. I'm trying to think what would – what about Josh? Josh Jacobs. What do you got for Josh? Hmm. I mean, Josh Jacobs, like, oh, you know, sour – like, anything sour because it, like, hit – when it hits, it hits oh, hard. Oh, like yep. Yeah. Like, you know, some, one of those, like – or maybe a jawbreaker. Jawbreakers are the everlasting gobstopper, that sort of thing. What are, what are the ones that it's, like, the, the part sweet and part sour? Is that Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, Sour Patch Kids are the yeah, ones sour that are like that's their commercial. sour, but they're like dipped Because in the then sugar. I think that's got to be the Kenyan and Josh tandem, right? Mm. A little bit oh, of something okay, so for everyone, right? They don't get their own candy. They have to be like, they have <laughs> well, to be listen, putting like. Listen, Fitz, there's only, I don't, are there 53 candies out there? I don't know. Maybe there are. Well, we're about to find out. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. What players? What candy? Sure, we'll do that. RNR69187 to text us. Plus, there's one group of guys on this roster that I wish hadn't had the bye this week. I'll tell you who it is next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're sitting in for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. And we're back on the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT this week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. Oh, that music brings me so much joy. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. It's the fifth quarter takeover, as we're calling it, of the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. You guys can chime in. We're asking you, what Raiders player is what kind of candy? It's a simple exercise. What uh, what candy do you associate with which player? RNR69187 is how you text us. You can also call 702-365-9200. Damon, hit me with the phone lines. Who we got? We got Robert and San Jose. Robert in San Jose, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm actually Robert from Fresno, but San Jose. My, ba- my bad, man. My bad. Come on, Demond. No worries. No worries. Um, I actually got a, a candy name for Cleveland Farrell. Uh, I call him the Milk Dud. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. I is see that, is what that you because did there. he's a like you? You want to explain your 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 Milk Dud on that one? Uh, just the, the the second name, Dud. I think mm-hmm. he's a Dud. Yeah. Okay. That that I I knew that's where you were going. I'll, I'll say this about Clee, and uh, this is something Eddie's heard me say so many times. He probably wants to just beat his head against a wall. Uh, as somebody that it covers a lot of college football, I covered Cleveland for extensively uh, for ESPN at Clemson games. Uh, I was really familiar with this body of work. I was as surprised as you guys were. In fact, we were live in Nashville on the air with a camera in my face when the Raiders selected Cleveland for a fourth overall. And there was a still shot that ran on ESPN.com for like three days of me just staring at the camera, saying nothing for what felt like three minutes, but was like 10 seconds of, of shock and all. I, I say that because if you watch Clee in college, he was a sound defensive lineman that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, that puts himself in the right position, that's not particularly a great pass rusher, doesn't give up lanes or gaps on the defensive line, and is a great teammate in communication and just an all-out effort guy that's a solid defensive lineman. That's who they drafted. It is not Clee's fault that we all thought that they were going to draft a dynamic pass rusher. It's also not Clee's fault that they examined him as such and thought that it was still worth the fourth overall pick. Whatever we think of Clee, all I'll say is this. If he had been picked with the fourth pick in the second round, we'd have a much different uh, mindset on it. I'm not sure what we expected from him because he's turned into be a, a, a pretty solid professional version of who he was 
in college. So I, I don't know how much I blame the player and how much I question some of the process that went into that that pick. That's all I'm saying about it, Eddie. I will now get off my Klee soapbox. I hope you feel like that was fair and balanced. I think that's fair and balanced. And look, we've talked a lot about over over the past couple of days, Fitz. We've talked about it's fair to criticize when a player isn't playing well. It's also fair to praise, and one must praise when someone does enough to earn uh, earn kind of our love and admiration there. And Damon, actually, I'm going to throw this in a, in a bit of a twist. I have a text from our, my personal text line to read on air from one of my pals here in the building. He said, great job today, guys. And he goes, because of the show today, as I walked to the airport, you made me purchase the following. And he sent over a picture of peanut, peanut butter M&Ms. So peanut look, butter M&Ms peanut are a butter. delight. Peanut butter M&Ms are amazing. Peanut M&M's trash. Peanut butter M&M's because it's cr- like, and don't at me with your crunchy peanut butter. Like, if you eat crunchy peanut butter, you definitely, like, you're definitely a serial killer. There's no in-between on it. Like, you should be behind bars. Butter. Yes. I mean, that, that we, okay, we at least agree on that. So Lock your friend, me up and throw away the key. Oh, God, Damon. <laughs> now, we can't, Damon. Like, if we lock you up, then we lose the only person that might give us a chance in a pickup basketball game. We already covered that. You're the athlete. How are the two non-athletes going to lock up the guy that's the athlete? It'll never happen. And selfishly fits. If we throw Damon away, I don't know how we're going to do the rest of the show. I don't know if you and I have the technical knowledge to get this from A to Z. I just don't think we do. I know that we do not have the technical knowledge to do that. The peanut butter M&M's, though, are a delight. All right, Damon, we're getting hit up on the, on the text line. By the way, RNR69187. What do we got? Oh, yeah, this was a great topic because now the texts are flowing in. Mailman Raider. And Ruggs is a wonker bar because he's the golden ticket to the end zone. LOL. Oh, I like that one. You got That's a good one. Ticket. Waller That's a good one. is the big hunk. Never heard of that one. I'm unfamiliar with that. Fitz, is that something from uh, from your age age range? Oh, I love that. The minute they haven't heard of a candy, it must be an old person candy. Like, well, let me dip into my collection of Werther's Originals and see if I have a big hunk down here. I'll get you a butterscotch, Eddie. Is that, you, is that a, you got a piece of toffee hanging out over there, old man? What you got oh for God. us? Come on. Oh right. my God. No. Mad Max is a warhead because you oh, that's a great one when he hits you. Oh, that is a I like great that. one. Yeah. All right, that's what all I got for now. The, the name of that was the hunk was the candy bar. Yeah, big hunk. Maybe he, maybe he just thinks that he's a hunk of man. I don't know. Or she. I don't know. Yeah, I've never heard of the big hunk. I, I will, oh, man. No, it, it, it's a real I don't know thing. if I want to Google big hunk on my work laptop either. Big hunk candy bar. It's honey nougat with peanuts. Okay. No, not okay. It's got whole roasted peanuts in it. We have already established that that means it's trash. I mean, no, it's, okay for, I, it's okay for Damon and Eddie. Well, I mean, uh, that's, uh, there, I can't help you guys there. I'm trying to help you guys. I'm trying to just rip you up into this. By the way, uh, I will, speaking of old people like uh, candies that I do love, and I'm not even going to shy away from this, spice drops, like the gumdrops that have like the spicy flavors, oh, like the, the, black, the black licorice spice drops, I could eat those all day long. I mean, those are a delight. The ones are, they're either purple or black, depending on which, uh, which package you buy them in. And they look like jelly beans, but they're like sugar-coated and they're like chewy gumdrops. Oh, man. My, I, I'll go straight old person all day and eat those spice drops. Mm. Fitz, you know how fond I am of you. You know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've, I've never heard... Of a spice drop. Damon, are you you and I are about the same age. Have you ever heard of a spice drop? Never. I want to get to this <laughs> next text because I'm like, I don't. Th- Waller is like a box of C's candy because he can do it all. And that box has everything for your palate. Raider Dre. Yeah. That's a great Fair. call. C's yeah. candy is like an assorted box of chocolates. I, I never heard of that one either. By you never way, heard of C's candy, Damon? No. Oh, my can, goodness. Am I old you, now, Fitz? <laughs> well, 
I mean, you're cheap is what you are. It's like yeah. you're, 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 no. I mean, let, let's also, by the way, uh, you know, you being relatively new to Vegas, have you, have you experienced yet ethylems? Because, like, ethylems is the best chocolate you'll ever have in your life. I've, like, I'm, I've I'm, heard of this ethylems. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Fitz, and Damon, this might be a more recent, not even an old guy thing, Fitz, because you just haven't lived here for a minute, but isn't ethylems the place where they have all those gardens, right? Don't they yes. have, like, a— Oh, they always did, the cactus gardens where they were yes. when I was a kid. yes. Yeah. So, so can you explain you explain to me how that works where they do candy and succulents? Yeah, they do the succulents outside and the candy inside. And you could take the tour. And so the Mars family, as in like M&M's, you know, the Mars family always wanted to do a line of chocolates that was meant to be on the higher side, like a finer chocolate. Like they wanted to do something that really honored like the, the best of the best. So they honored that by naming the brand after, I believe, their grandma, uh, Ethel. And so Ethel M's is part of the Mars family, but it is the fine chocolates that they have. And I, su- I strongly suggest you get the lemon creams, the dark chocolate lemon creams. I buy those by the box and I hide them so that nobody can ever, uh, nobody can ever take them from me. That's, uh, I wouldn't even share one with you. That, that, that's fact. I wouldn't even share one with you. You know, Fitz, I do appreciate, look, and you and Damon have both um, you know, so much more Vegas knowledge than I do. But that is a tremendous little story. That, I mean, I mean that sincerely. Like, seriously, that is, that's good stuff out of you. Very good. Yeah. I, look, as, as Eddie has learned over the last year in particular, I've always loved the Raiders, y'all. Like, nothing changes about that. But I, I'm, I'm a Vegas kid through and through. So bringing that stuff together is a joy. Now, uh, do we, we'll keep taking your text, by the way. RNR 69187 is how you text us. You can also call 702-365-9200. Eddie, I'm going to be a downer for a second, okay? Uh, before we get back to naming, you know, what, what candies go with which players on the roster. If there's one group that I wish hadn't gotten the bye week, and I do mean group, group of players, not individuals. If there's one group I wish hadn't gotten the bye week, it's the offensive line. Because we've been talking a lot about it, and I think the opportunity to get healthy is important. But the other side of it is for Leatherwood right now, everything's about game reps and rhythm, right? And so I know that you can make the argument getting healthy, stepping away from the game, clearing your head, getting a little more opportunity to get your life set, reapproaching your own professionalism. Like all of those things can be a big part of the pie. And I do believe that at the end of the day, getting a few extra days helps the group. But I also believe that right now, ultimately what they need the most as a group of five, they need absolute, they need reps. They need in-game, real-time reps. And a former offensive lineman told me at the beginning of the season, if three people walk up to you at once and they all come up and they've all got a shield in front of them and they all hit you together at once in perfect harmony, there's nothing you're going to do. You're going to fall to the ground. If any one of those is a little off in the way they hit you, you might be able to spin through those shields. And he's like, that explains offensive line synergy and when you start thinking about it that way in my mind once you moved Leatherwood inside the biggest thing you needed was the opportunity to get everybody timed to the the millisecond together on the way they explode on everything they do and how they reset the line of scrimmage Lewis Riddick talks about it all the time on ESPN the team that wins is the team that resets the line of scrimmage we defensively are forcing the line of scrimmage to move back towards the quarterback offensively when we're good it's because we are able to at least hold the line of scrimmage where it is I wish that they, as much as the bye week can help, I'm bummed that they lose the opportunity for more live game reps that I think could help them continue to grow that synergy. You know, when you were teasing, teasing this question before the last break, I was thinking to myself, I wonder where Fitz is going with this. And frankly, I thought that you were going to go with the defensive line for kind of the opposite reason of they're playing so well, guys are really starting to eat, let's keep them hot. But it, it does make sense. I, I know completely where you're coming from in terms of the offensive line. And I'll take that a step further where – 
now looking ahead to the Giants game, and I don't think we should do too much of this. There's a lot that can happen between for both teams, really, between now and then. But you look ahead to this Giants game now in, what, 10 days, 11 days, whenever it is. It's hard to travel east, right? Regardless of who you are, whether you're the Niners, the Raiders, the Seahawks, whoever it is, the University of Oregon, it's hard to travel east. And so now, more than ever, and the first, like, I don't know, the first two drives really for me are something that I always really key, on, key in on. How is this team going to set the tone? How are we going to, what version of the Raiders are going to see today? So now, to your point, when, when, the, when those front five run out in, in New York in 10, 11 days from now, what, do, what version do we see of them? Do we see the version we've seen the past two weeks where they're in sync, where they are rocking, where they are gelling together and they're doing everything they need to do for this offense to succeed? Or do we see the version that we saw kind of in the, that week three, week four kind of range where we're just figuring it out, it's all kind of patchwork, how are we going to kind of run around with the chicken with our head cut off but somehow manage a, a way to get from A to Z? So I know we are looking ahead, but to your point, Fitz, I, I do think that that is a valid, I don't want to say concern, but it's a valid point that you have where these guys from Alex Leatherwood to Colton Miller to Brandon Parker, Andre James in the middle, all these guys need their chance to go out there and get familiar with one another. And really, because we've talked about it a lot, they are really going to be the key to making sure that everything keeps rocking for this Raiders team the rest of 2021. And it's such a huge part of it, Eddie, when you start thinking about it's not just any one guy. Like, offensive line is one of the few positions where you can't just do your job. Everybody else around you has to do their job also. And if they don't do their job at the highest possible level, you don't do well. And that Giants game, like, again, I'm a beacon of light here, but you've said a couple of times, you know, hey, traveling east is difficult. I also talked to one insider today on ESPN campus about the Giants specifically. And what she told me straight out of the gate that I hadn't even thought of, she said, look, go back and look at the Giants injuries. I mean, the Giants injuries have been decimating. And in the next 10 days, they're expected to get Saquon Barkley back. They're expected to get Tony back. They're going to get Galloway back like, or Galladay back. Like uh, all across the board, they are going to get their offense back in time for this Raiders game. They may have them in back in time for, for this weekend, but they'll definitely have them back in time for the Raiders game. So this is actually going to be a giant scene they're facing that's much better than their record, which is a little bit scary. Yeah, and look, it's, it's not the sexiest Monday night football matchup coming up here at the end of the weekend, but Giants-Chiefs, that's a game that I'm watching for sure for a lot of reasons. That is, I know that it might not intrigue people outside of New York and the AFC West, but that is a game that I'm going to be locked in on Monday night because, hey, that, those are who you're playing next. You got the Giants and then you got the Chiefs coming to town after that. So we're going to figure a lot of things out about this, about both teams really in the next 10, 14 days. Damon, going back to the text line, what you got, brother? All right, One Nation Jeff. I think Josh should be a fast break and Abram and Mooring should be left and right twicks. Ooh, oh, excellent. I like that. Can we All make right. one of uh, this is the I died on this cell already. Can we make one of them caramel Twix and the other one peanut butter Twix at least so that there's like a little because di- they're different stylistically. Like one is smooth and silky and and the others uh, I don't know how we how we relate the other. But uh, yeah, we we make a bowl Twix. I like that. All right, few more. Mad Max is a gummy bear because he is so bendy. Raider Ryan. I do like that. Yeah, also, big that. fan of the theme song to Gummy Bears. Either of you on this song? Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. Do you remember the cartoon? Nope. High adventure that's beyond compare. Sw- they are the Swing Gummy miss. Bears. Swing and a miss, Fitz. Right. Fitz. did you write that song? Are you trying to get some royalties out of this? <laughs> get, it, get it off the ground. Gummy Bears. Gummy Bears is on Disney Plus now. You can go check it out. By the way, if you get Disney Plus, you can also get the bundle with ESPN Plus. I'll look at me as such a good employee. Oh. Uh, no, Gummy Bears was Gummy Bears was good. I went back, unlike Fraggle Rock, I went back and rewatched Gummy Bears. I still liked it. So just go check out Gummy Bears. Gummy Gummy was a delight. All right, and Hunter Renfro can be a now and later candy because of his slow, precise route running. Now and later. 
Slow is a. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's where that one kind of lost me yeah. too. And we talked about the A for effort the other day. I think the effort <laughs> the effort on this one is fantastic. There's a lot of thought that went into it. I'm not here to discount the effort. The effort was outstanding. The execution, uh, not so much. Yeah, I, I think we perceive the fact that he runs complicated routes that take a lot of time as an indication that he's you know maybe slower than some. Like I think that's a perception thing. That's just not the case. Like, I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I wouldn't want to take uh, Renfro on in a foot race. I realize that, you know, nobody would want to take Ruggs on in a foot race primarily. But, yeah, I think slow might be a little bit uh, little bit uh, of a challenge there for me to figure out. All right, you guys can keep chiming in. 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the fun. 702-365-9200. Which Raider player would be which Halloween candy? Or you can text us, RNR69187. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We'll keep the Halloween fun going next on JT The Brick Show on ESPN. On ESPN, that's uh, that's four. I'm used to it, Eddie. On Raider Nation Radio, and we're back on the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT this week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. 702-365-9200 is how you call in. RNR six nine one eight seven is how you text us. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. What Raider player is what candy? It's a simple Halloween question. Are you big on scary movies, Eddie Pascal? Oh, hard no. Hard no, absolutely not. Nope. Really? Won't think about it. Won't even entertain it. Not for me. I mean, like, Eddie told you earlier that we're on FaceTime together so that we can see each other during the show. What he didn't tell you is he politely didn't even mention the Frankenstein that's standing over my shoulder the entire time. Like, I've got, like, a mannequin of Michael Myers across the room, and I've got one of those, uh, like, prosthetic-looking things that are, like, attached to my wall so it makes it look like a a person is crawling up my staircase in the middle of the night. Like, I'm all in on all of this. Uh, I'm I'm all in on the scares, the danger, the thrills. Uh, So you're not doing, like... You, you know, Eddie and Fitz aren't going on like the uh, haunted hayride sort of thing. Oh no 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 no! Definitely hundred percent not. And I love the Halloween spirit, Fitz. I, I love the you know the folks that get to have their their creepy crawly things in the windows and things like that. I'm all there for it. I support it. But my Halloween is more like the pumpkins and things like that and the candy. I don't like being scared. Not for me. Okay, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm, I'm a little distraught by this. I mean, I think we've like, especially because the Raiders all wear like Raiders fans wear costumes all the time. Like they you know, sure do. I mean, okay, but you've yeah. seen me on a game day fits. I wear a very fitted suit. He does. I mean, let let me tell y'all. Like the mon seen me. If if Eddie's having one of those days where like maybe he's a little gassy, he's gonna blow the thing out of the back of that suit. Like it <laughs> is fitted. Like it is. It is happening. Like I mean, when I say that the tailor had to go in and like stitch it, I mean it looks good though. Like you gotta be a certain it body on. type to be able to go for that. And like Eddie Eddie Pascal does it, and that's always a reminder because like one on one, I can tell you it, 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 at the end of the day we're gonna walk in to the press box. Eddie's going to have a very fitted suit on. I'm going to have like a hoodie and a jacket on and look like I don't belong and somehow the elevator people let me buy in the press box. Like that's a, it's it's the dynamic of our of our tag team. And then Damon is right in the middle cuz Damon is there on Raiders home games and Damon is. is just uh he wears like some nice uh, some nice slacks but then a shirt that I think to say that it's a bit of a schmedium I think is pretty generous. You know like Damon so is funny? What do you got? What do you got for me tomorrow? My friend Luis, who also does the game day media relations with me, he also, like, he would prefer to wear a suit because he doesn't think that the medium shirt that we have to wear is fancy enough. And he would like to be on a suit because he owns suits. 
I, I so, was and maybe to throw them running up the flagpole. Luis wants to wear suits on game days. Hey, man, I'm all for it. I think, you know, candidly, I think everyone should wear a suit on game day. Every single oh. person. Oh, you just, you stop. I mean, you know what? You know what I want to do? I'm going to wear, like, slacks and a T-shirt and a tie over the T-shirt. <laughs> just be, like, that reckless <laughs> level of, like, y'all, at some point, you know, you're, everybody's going to look around and be like, that guy? I mean, at the end, why are we wearing a suit? It's not like we have real jobs. We're just I know, sitting in I know, a press but, box and watching And look, football. and we've, we've talked about this, where I, I enjoy a nice fitted suit. I will be the first person to, uh, to acknowledge that. But when I'm in my off hours, when I don't have to be on the job, when I'm not doing something, strictly sweatpants for me. Nothing of a non-breathable material. I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a hoodie. I'm, I'm sweat. I wear a lot of the, uh, my wife gives me a hard time, but a lot of the dude capris. Like That's kind of my go-to, especially this oh, time yeah. of the year. And it's comfortable, baby, and I'm not going to apologize. Dude Prees? I like to think of myself as, a, uh, as like kind of a Mexican Rafael Nadal, if you will. Wow, there is so much to unpack there that I'm not comfortable with. R and R six nine one eight seven is how you text us. Uh, Demon, you said we have somebody uh, like that wants to talk to me and the Mexican Rafael Nadal. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, we got a lot of texts coming in. Derek Carr <laughs> is the Mister Goodbar because when he's ready to run a play at the line, he says, "We're good, we're good." Raider Richie oh, like from that. Arizona. Yeah, like shout out to Raider Richie. That 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 might be the best answer yet. The most creative one. What else you got? Darren Waller could be a hundred grand bar because he's straight money. Mm. Also mm, that's good. also that's also fair. Speaking I, I, on the I money train, Max Crosby will be payday because he's playing so good mm. and earning a big payday. Oh man, just you know what? Like you just walk in now and be like, hey Max, what do you think of this? Like just 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 <laughs> get get that let that man get that bag. Oh, let that man get that bag. This is you know it's funny, Fizz. We don't have time to do it today, but at some point down the road, we've talked a lot about just kind of in my group of friends, the moment that's going to come for this 2019 class and it's going to be a moment they are going to have that that collective group is going to have a moment and it's going to be really really cool to see when that moment comes like i said we don't have time to dive into all of it but make no mistake it's going to come yeah and don't panic Uh, i'll always tell every fan base to remember the same thing that when it comes to the salary cap tim brown said a long time ago when they want to find a way to get it done they get it done and that's just that is uh, that is truth to the way that all of this works teams manage to find it out uh, figure it out all the stinking time. So I, I, I don't worry about it. I think at the end of the day, what you do is you celebrate. Anytime, especially remember, Max was not a first-round draft pick, right? So his deal is only four years. So uh, all of a sudden now that opens up the window to redo that deal. That's a, that's a special moment for a guy that has come into the league and earned all of it from the ground up. He has scratched and clawed his way to that entire bag. So I'm all in for it. Tomorrow we got more? We do, we do. Staying with the gummies, Renfro is a gummy worm. He will slither right around you. Raider Ryan. I like that. I like okay. that. The okay. gummies, I thought you were going in a much different direction. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Mailman Raider. Fitz and Eddie is a now and later because I want y'all on the radio now and later. Oh, Let's get y'all a damn show permanently. Y'all killed it. You know what I really love about him is that he put my name first. Like, that never happens. Yeah. Everybody yeah. always puts my name second and everything. And, you know, so Fitz and Eddie has, like, like such a, uh, like, a, I mean, it has a, a vibe to it, Eddie. Like, yeah, it feels you know, good. I, it feels good. I mean, could, we, could we really, really quick, Fitz, we were talking about that 2019 class, and we've talked about so much for the past couple of days, kind of the vibe and the good feelings that are happening in this Raiders locker room. A tweet that just crossed the wire, Damon. So Derek Carr went on a podcast yesterday, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. and the official account at Raiders, make sure you follow there, uh, in, this, in this interview, apparently Derek says that he's coming for A.J. Cole's flow crown. And A.J. Cole, friend of the program, just spectacular hair. 
just fantastic. AJ quote tweets that original tweet, and he goes, many people, not me, but many people, think that Derek Carr is going to fold and cut his hair any day now. Huge storyline to follow for the rest of the season. This is a group of guys that's having a lot of fun right now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're having more fun than we are looking at that hair. I mean, it, it's bad. Like, it's it's a weird growth spot. Like, it takes, like, as you're growing it out, like, there's a weirdness in the, like, you got to have the patience to go through it. Then it's going to get, like, kind of scraggly. And then Vegas, he, like, how long is he going to grow it? Is he going to have long hair in a Vegas summer? I can't, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I don't know. I hope so. I really do hope so. But it, it is, as AJ said, huge storyline to follow the rest of this year. Absolutely colossal. You and I have talked about a lot of really important things over the past couple of days. But perhaps the state of Derek Carr's hair is one that we have not touched on nearly enough. I mean, AJ, AJ, the best lettuce in the uh, in the locker room is that? Are you oh, I think to say un- that? unquestioned, unquestioned. I don't even think there's even anyone who's coming for that crown. Don't wow. even think there's a second, a, a close second. Actually, maybe I, I, maybe Mr. Stoner, Dylan Stoner, he's got some good flow to him. But AJ, I think, is so so far past that. I think AJ is is just otherworldly. This is the kind of analysis you can only get from Eddie Pascal and Jason Fitz. We've given you candy bars uh, for players. We've given you hair ratings over everything. But hopefully, over the last three days, we've also given you a lot to think about about your beloved Raiders. Because one thing I can tell you is that Eddie and I love hanging out, but we love the fact that you guys give us the time to hang out with you. Uh, sincerely, I can't say this enough. Damon has worked his butt off. Alexandra's worked her tail off. It took a lot of people to put us together on the air over the last several days. And we have loved every single second. It means the world that you guys have taken the time to text us or call us and be part of the show. It means the world that you take the time to interact with us when you see us out. Uh, what we do is a privilege, and you guys make that privilege possible. So as we sign off from what's been an incredible week for us i just want to say thank you to every single person that's decided to give us a few minutes of their time their ears uh, and their energy over the last couple of days this is a special season for the raiders i will tell you over and over and over again doesn't matter what's happened in the past what matters is happening right now and watching this team right now is special damon has been the mvp he's eddie pascal i'm jason fitz we appreciate you hanging out with us enjoy the rest of the season enjoy state day enjoy the rest of the week for jt the brick thanks for letting us hang out